Good day, everyone, and welcome to New Matter, the SLAS podcast where we interview life science luminaries. I'm your host, SLAS Scientific Director Marshall Brennan, and today we have Dan D'Almeida with us. Dan comes to us from LabVoice, a company based out of North Carolina working to develop smart lab technologies that assist with data capture and method compliance using cloud-based technology. LabVoice has recently featured at Innovation Avenue at the recent SLAS 2021 digital event, and so we are so glad to have Dan with us. Welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me. All right. So to start off, we have a tradition around here, which is that we put you on the spot and ask you to describe your day-to-day work for your company in 10 words or fewer. Sure. I'm the director of product at LabVoice, and LabVoice uh, is bringing scientific voice assistance to laboratories throughout the world. Excellent. So you mentioned the bring uh, voice assistance. So this is, I assume, considerably more complicated than Alexa or uh, Google Home here, correct? It is, yes. We started with the Alexa for the lab pitch, but very quickly you'll see how limiting that is. Alexa mm-hmm. is a very prompt-based system where you ask a question, you get a, an atomic response. And lab voice is much more than that, where we can actually interact in a dialogue or conversational AI perspective. So how does that actually integrate into the lab? Could you give me a scenario about how someone might use lab voice in practice? Sure. We have a variety of different ways. Uh, One is people in labs, scientists, researchers love their spreadsheets. (laughs) So one of the things that we can actually do is take all of the data that they're collecting along the way and automatically put it into spreadsheets uh, in a more complex way. We have systems like ELNs, you know, electronic laboratory notebooks. But throughout the years, these ELNs have become more office tools than actual lab tools. So a scientist will be in an office, They'll be entering some data, create an experiment, and then they go to the lab and they actually pick up a piece of paper because they're not allowed to bring in a laptop or they don't have bench space for it, they don't have PCs accessible. And so we've made it where they can continue their experiment through voice on a mobile device, something small form, even a phone, collect all the data they need, and we integrate in the back end into their ELN and transfer the information in real time and collect that data. So as they go back into the office, it's accessible to them, and they just continue on the process without having to transcribe from paper to the ELN. So do you imagine that this is a situation where I could read out steps of a protocol and have the assistant record that automatically in my, my lab notebook then? Is that Absolutely. That? Yeah. If you think of drug products, one of the terms that's used in manufacturing is actually recipes, and it's no different than a recipe in a mm-hmm. kitchen. You know, You have steps that you're following through, you're collecting information, or you're checking off that you've done a step. And we can have lab voice either read out those steps to you or ask you for the data collection at certain points. Behind the scenes, you know, with our integration capabilities, we can actually manage connecting to instruments or software or even environmental variables. Yeah, thinking back to my own graduate work, doing uh, kinetic studies involves such tedious data capture where, you know, you're taking time points and, you know, you're, you run out of hands so quickly and the monotony of that means that it's just so easy to miss one of those data points or miscollect it. So that, uh, thinking to this, I I'd had a similar idea in the early days of Siri about, okay, how can we make that work? And what you learn pretty quickly there is that that breaks down. What's the secret sauce? What makes Lab Voice so much more effective at capturing this information? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, we've developed a platform for creating these voice experiences. You know, we started in the same sense that you're describing. Let's look at consumer technology series, Alexa, and see how they can do it. And we started using their backend tools. And we found it very difficult and onerous to build it out. You need to be a developer. 
So what we've actually done is found an easy way. We've created uh, a capability for us to develop these voice experiences very quickly. Part of the, the challenge you're going to have with a Siri or an Alexa is they're listening for anything that you could possibly say. There's no scope or context to what you want to hear. You know, Alexa's gotten a little bit better, at least with the music concepts. You know, you're, you're narrowing down, shopping, et cetera. We're taking that same concept and making it even further, right? So now if I know what space you're in, you know, chemistry, biology, if I know what procedure you're executing, you know, some assay, and if I know what step and what question it is, now I've really narrowed down the possibilities of responses there. And that increases that accuracy. And we can further enhance it by adding vocabularies behind the responses. So if you have a fixed list, you know, if you're looking for a reagent search, we'll look into your reagent system. We'll pull out the reagents you might have available. And then we'll keep narrowing down those search results. And so you'll see the confidence level of the transcription gets much, much higher. Uh, and it's, it's much more accurate there. So that would be a case where, you know, if I'm asking for pyridine, it'll, you know, I won't get some completely unintelligible thing where, you know, the assistant has thought I've uh, asked for some musical artist name or whatnot, right? Correct. Exactly. And that's, you know, the opposite. When you're looking at Siri, they don't know what they're looking at. So we'll just search the internet for pyridine. Right. Well, that, that's actually really, really exciting. What do you see as the key demographic for this? Like, who do you want to use this? And how do you think that this is really going to disrupt the current workflows? That's also another great question. Uh, right now, it's a general scientific tool. You know, we don't have a particular space that we're going for. We've talked to agricultural, we've talked to academic, we've talked to med devices, large pharma. We're talking to everyone. And when you break it down, scientists have a lot of the similar challenges everywhere. You know, uh, so they're in gloves, they're in hazmat suits, they're in, you know, some safety protection system, they're in clean rooms, and they're very restricted mobily to doing certain things, so they can't bring devices in. So what we're looking at is not to so much disrupt or displace what they have in their ecosystem today. You know, they have ELNs, they have limbs, they have data stores. They've been working on these for many years. We're not going to come and replace that. We really want to fill in the gaps where they can't bring this technology you know you're you're looking at a microscope and your eyes are focused on what you need to collect why should you have to look away and type into a computer system why can't you just say your results and go from there so that's a great example you're in a hood and isolator your hands are restricted now you have to take them out so those are just simple examples but we're finding other use cases where people are working side by side because real-time data collection is important so you have one person literally writing down notes and the other person is standing next to them doing the process. And so you can increase your capacity just with these little bits of information. And again, we can keep going with examples, but I think those are some quick ones there. I, yeah, I, as you were saying some of this, I, I was thinking that uh, your product in a way competes with the unpaid intern. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But now thinking about this, even just like in the glove box that I worked in in graduate school, just even outside of data collection, just not having to take my hands out of the box to tell it to purge or, you know, activate, you know, uh, change the pressure or something like that. You know, those are the sorts of things where getting in and out of those devices is really cumbersome. So like this is really great. Now, from an accessibility perspective, do you think that there's any benefits there when we have folks that have accessibility needs? Do you think that this is uh, limited in that regard? Let's just look at the, the, the flip side of it. So the pro is, you know, are there folks with, for instance, disabilities that could benefit from this? But on the other side of things is, is this something that would then end up inadvertently excluding someone who's, say, hard of hearing? From the accessibility <laughs> perspective, we're actually working with a visually impaired student who 
you know, looked at us because she wants to find reagents in a easier way. And so we've, we've made it for her just to ask the system, Hey, where's my reagent? And based on their inventory system, then we can look it up and tell them what shelf, what fridge, you know, what room it is. And so it makes it easier for her mm-hmm. on the flip side. I could see someone with, you know, an audible impairment having issues with uh, our system. We have a, a mobile device, uh, so that can either be iOS, Android, phone or tablet, whatever. And as you're going through the process, you can see your dialogue. So it's almost like mm-hmm. a chatbot view. You can see your responses. You can see what's being asked. So technically, you could have the audio off and still interact with it from a vocal perspective. That's good to know. I think that, that that's really great and uh, forward-thinking of you. I think um, you know all of these these tools. You know, I think about some of my friends who have uh, you know cerebral palsy, and these voice assistants are so important to their day-to-day life. And thinking about the sort of folks that we could bring into science um, using these tools is is really uh, exciting and uh, I imagine empowering. I'm uh, a little bit curious. How has the uh, reception been to uh, Lab Voice? Have you implemented broadly? Uh, you know, have you had any big success stories uh, with customers? It's been interesting. <laughs> um, I mean, any any new technology in the space is always interesting. You know. Consumers don't find voice as new anymore. It's about five years old in the market. Mm-hmm. But when you go into the, the labs, it's hard to bring in new technologies. Even, even laptops and mobile devices are still difficult to get in there. The bigger the company, the slower it is, right? And it's difficult for change management perspectives. There has been some great reception, though. You know, A lot of these companies have lab of the future projects going on. So when you look at you know, a large pharma or a large biotech they're already forward thinking and they have some assignment towards this. Now, when you get to the smaller biotechs, they're willing to take on new technology. You know, that's, that's why they got into this and they want to be the lab of five years from now starting. They don't want to be the lab of today. So they get really excited. We've had some, some great success. You know, our, our earlier customers are continuously deploying and, you know, finding new use cases every day. You know, we're, we're getting some great feedback. One of the big use cases that we never even thought of came from one of our early customers, which was around training. And that came from the, mm. the, the situation we're in today where you want to socially distance. So how do you train someone and not be next to them? Right. You give them a voice assistant, right? You, you record all your steps and just, here you go, put on your headset and walk through the steps one by one. That's interesting. The thought that just occurred to me too is that this has some interesting possibilities for lab safety too, um, being used as like an intercom system or as a way to listen for signs of, of danger and alerting you know someone else in the lab uh, through like a pushman notification or something like that you know obviously we shouldn't be uh, working alone in lab but sometimes you know you end up uh, in a situation like that and something like this could be really powerful yeah we've, we've had the request you know can we listen for broken glass you know can we activate a, a help system right you know if I say help 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 you know how does that uh, interact and, and describe it to it. So yeah, those are those are all interesting use cases to move forward with it where you've spilled something and you can't get to uh, communicate with someone else. And you know we can help you from that perspective as well. We have a couple of good use cases out there talking to, to different folks actually in the industry with health and safety. So um, it might be worth taking a look there. Yeah, that's awesome. So Dan, I'm, I'm a little bit curious about uh, your experience um, with uh, SLAS. Now, obviously, you're on Innovation Avenue. How did you find the, uh, the conference last week? What are your advice to new startups who are looking to get the most out of that networking experience? It's interesting. You know, this is the, the first year that it's been uh, virtual. So uh, it's a bit of a different perspective, right? You know, finding people out there and interacting. 
it's definitely gotten a lot better in the past year as far and not specific to your conference, but how people are presenting these conferences virtually. Advice, you know, it's just like doing anything else remotely. You need to make an effort to interact with folks, right? You can't, it's not just a, a you know, sit and wait situation. <laughs> so if you want to interact with someone, it's just like a, a social media perspective. You know, the more you interact, the more people are going to interact with you. So to make the most of it is just be friendly and go out there. And same is true when you're, you're doing it live in a conference. You get so much value out of just walking up to someone and saying, hey, how, how are you? You know, and what are your needs? Can I help you with anything? It's no different in the virtual perspective there. Right. Yeah. And I think the networking aspect was actually really interesting this year because it was a little bit easier to get a lot of voices in one room, especially with students. I guess I'm curious, um, from your perspective, I love thinking about products. So knowing that I'm talking to the director of product uh, uh, for your company is really, there's a lot of routes we go down here. But one thing that I am actually curious about on behalf of our student members who might be listening is... What's your advice for getting started in a, a, a career that focuses on um, lab products, getting involved in product uh, development, product management? What would you tell uh, those folks who are just finishing up their degrees and really want to uh, seek this out as a career? Stay curious. You know, you, you get into these fields because of some innate curiosity you have. I want to learn. I want to, you know, discover things that weren't discovered before and just stay curious. Just keep learning. I started as a chemist and I worked for a software company and I, you know, I've worked for instrument vendors. So to me, I just kept grabbing on to whatever people would teach me. Find a mentor that you can follow along and, and learn from them. And when you feel that you're not learning anymore, just find some new space to keep going. You know, don't lose the information you've had, but just keep on that learning progress. There's so much to do out there, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so many different perspectives to look at it in technology. So speak up, you know, that's another big thing. People tend to stay quiet. Oh, I don't know if I'm going I'm to say the wrong thing. Do I have a dumb question? And there is no dumb question. You know, you just have a different mm-hmm. way of looking at it. So you might trigger a thought that someone's no, never thought of and you're going down a completely different path now. So Again, that's where I've been. Um, I can only give you my experiences. <laughs> I can't really tell you, you know, in a, in a definitive way that's going to work for everyone. But no, but that's great advice too, especially your comments about not being afraid to be wrong, because you know, part of science is being. I don't know. Maybe other people's experiences are different, but I was wrong a lot during my <laughs> research career. But that's every question you try to answer isn't always going to have the one that you expect, and that's part of uh, how we move forward. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, I feel like, especially when we're thinking about products, there's a question of why hasn't anybody ever done this before? Like inherently lab voice seems like an idea that should be a no brainer, but like, why had nobody done it before? And like, sometimes, you know, I'm not saying this is the case for lab voice, but sometimes it's just that nobody thought to question why it hadn't been done before and hadn't gone down that path or, you know, the assumption had been made that it had been tried and failed and it couldn't get better. And then, you know, it takes that one, you know, naive person to really break people out of their mold. So I really appreciate that perspective. And I think students should, would be wise to uh, uh, heed your words in that regard. We are getting toward the end of the podcast. And so I do want to give you the opportunity to tell people where they can learn more about your company, about uh, how to connect with you and your colleagues, and then uh, share any last thoughts you have about where you see the future of Lab Voice and what they should know about you. We can be reached at labvoice.ai. 
That is our main page. There's plenty of information about the product and the company there. A couple of use cases. You can reach me personally at dan at labvoice.ai. You don't have to spell my last name, so it's nice and easy. And, you know, as far as we're going, the technology is, is just starting. Uh, you know, we're a couple of years into our startup here. We're working with customers. We have so far that we can go. It's, it's really exciting. You know, I can't really tell you what's on the roadmap, but, you know, talking to people and, and seeing already the ideas that we hadn't thought of, plus what we've already thought of, there's so much we can do. You know, you start getting into concepts of conversational AI, you get into the integrations. You look at our uh, amazing partner list that we've already started working with. It's only going to help the integrations and the capabilities that we're deploying into laboratories. So if you need help, if you have questions, if you want to know anything about us, just reach out and we'll be here for you. Well, on behalf of SLAS, the New Matter podcast and our listeners, thank you so much for your time, Dan. It's really been a pleasure. Thanks to you too, Marshall. I appreciate being here.